0: Uh Nick, yeah, go ahead. This is the 5 on 5 podcast presented to you. Hit that click. Boom. 5 on 5 <laughs> podcast presented to you by directmusicservice.com. Promo code 5 on 5 F I V E O N F I V E will save you some money over there. Uh go get some edits, remixes, originals from all the crew. Uh big show today, so we're just going to get right into it. I'm one of your host. Big Mom. show. Down the street from me, Nick Lopez, down the street from him, Jupiter Williams. And our special guest today, ladies and gentlemen, an absolute legend. It's an honor. It's one of those shows where it's an honor to have this person in here. You know him from Move to the Drum, Sexy Bitch Remix, One Love, Let the Bass Kick, Moomba, <laughs> the entire dirty Dutch sound. He's a founding father. Yeah. He, he, he should tell you he's a founding father. He might deny it. He's a fucking pioneer in the scene. He is the man known as DJ Chucky. Make some
1: noise. Biggle, biggle, biggle. <laughs>
2: it's
0: such <laughs> an honor, such an honor to have you here, man. Definitely. Thank
1: you for having me, guys. Really, man. Thank yeah. you,
0: man. Yeah. We, uh, we were talking before we hopped on. You are in the motherland. You are on the road. Every day is a travel day for you. Are you
1: working on music down there, just relaxing? What are you up to? Um, I'm actually on my way to the to the ABC Islands, actually to the. So you have Aruba, Bonaire and Curacao. Okay. And I got to go there on Saturday. And one of my boys from the motherland, they called me, like, yo, we got like a very special private party. Like, come down. And I'm like, yeah, say no more, man. So, you know, I came down here. Uh, we had a party on Sunday, and I just have a couple of days off. Um, yes. but I've been like I needed this little break because I've been in the studio nonstop lately, man. So you know, I've been I've been making so much music, so much new stuff. So I mm. kind of needed a little a little break. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, but yeah, man, um, even tomorrow, I got like a session with a local artist. Dope. Nice. Pretty excited for that. Back to the Hell full yeah. speed
0: grind, man. It never stops for you. And I know that, that you are you're a man of many talents. And you started off in the hip hop realm, too. And I think people may forget that, you know, the people in the States know you as electronic DJ Chunky mm-hmm. as the Dirty Dutch Sound. Yeah. But your dance hall, your hip hop. You're so yeah. much more than that. You are true open format, as they say. Uh-huh. You can do yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I want to talk, I want to get into some of the history, but we're going to start it off light with an easy question. Um, yeah. For those that don't know I, already know, I already know the answer to this, but share the history of how you came up with DJ Chucky, because I know it was supposed to be DJ 007. Bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man. So 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 basically, um, basically, um we were always looking up to the guys from IDT, and ID um is is actually the guys behind Tomorrowland, the founders of Tomorrowland. We had Sensation White, but they also had this really early early back in the days. We had this, I don't know if you remember the GABA sound. Mm-hmm. So, so they had this party, they had a lot of events, with that, like a lot of early rave events, and they would throw, for example, I don't know, a, a Hellraiser party. They always had like a crazy team, you know, and yeah. I remember just traveling and always, you know, looking at those flyers they would put out and they were always super impressive and they would like to have a DJ, like a Hellraiser event with DJ Hell or whatever, you know, it was always in a certain kind of team. And we were like, me and my brother were like, yo, we need something cool like that too, you know? So we're like, yo, what if we throw a party and then you know it's double, yeah, you'd be du- DJ 007. <laughs> you show know, so with a headphone right on your side, like it's a it's a block or something. Stupid <laughs> shit like that. And then um, but when I started, I was like 15. And my first gig was when I I think I was still 15. And, you know, we were find- We were looking for something special. So I'm like, yo, but I'm still... So we started, we were like, thinking about marketing, you know, marketing, whatever we were doing. So we were like, yo, what if we just market you as like the youngest DJ of the Netherlands? And then we call the event Child's Play, and then you'll be Chucky, you know? And it fitted me so well, because like let's say unofficial, my friends would always call me Chucky because I was just a little rascal, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was just always getting in trouble. So, you know, um, that fitted well. And yeah, I was like, yeah, why not, you know? Cause yeah. 007 obviously didn't work. <laughs> 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 yeah. Dude, but...
0: In honor of the Chucky moniker off top, real easy. I want you to
1: give us your top three horror movies of all time. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> That's hard, bro. That's a hard one. You got me off guard. Um, top three. Top Woo. three. Well, let's say, let me put it like this. When I saw Poltergeist the first time, I was scared as hell. So that mm-hmm. made a big impact on me. I wouldn't say it's not, it's not something I would watch over and over. Uh, but Hellraiser. Mm. Um, and if I would say, okay, you know probably some of these kids don't know hellraiser or you know Poltergeist. um i would say what's the one that they had in the fuck what's that name um blair witch project oh oh yeah oh dude Mm -hmm. these kids definitely know that so yeah yeah yeah. Blair
3: Witch is crazy like just thinking about how the release came out and Yeah. uh, yeah like no trailer just no trailer they, and they made it
4: feel real too you know
1: which one also made an impact the the, the one uh paranormal activity paranormal activity yeah, oh, yeah. And, and and not only did had that movie like such a big impact on me also just the way they did it they had like a thirty thousand dollar budget yeah
4: it was a student and made... film yeah and it was a student film and then they sh- they showed it they they uh they, they showed it in class and then um Steven Spielberg got got wind of it and he was the one to convince them to to make a couple more endings. So yeah. they have they have like three or four endings of of the original movie. Some you know, of the,
3: the tactics it? they use when filming that is so funny because like they said that they were really sleeping. Yeah. And the scenes when they were like asleep and then they like did the jump thing to wake them up mm-hmm. or like dragging her out of the bed, like she was for real dead asleep, so yeah. they, like to make it look <laughs> real. Yeah. or they didn't know that like the cabinet scene in the kitchen, mm-hmm. they didn't know that that was coming. Yeah, so they were just in there. And so their reaction to seeing the fucking kitchen explode mm-hmm. is like oh, yeah. genuine. So the whole time these yeah. fucking poor actors are just stressed the fuck out because they, they're going to get scared at every turn.
1: But you know what? That kind of re- it also really inspired me by, you know, thinking like you, you don't need a big budget, you need a great right. idea. Right and that's so so it inspired me on a on a whole different level i'm like yeah fuck yeah man i i can really appreciate this business model (laughs) really i think there were like a a couple of spin-offs i i I think oh yeah yeah there's a bunch of what's the one with the owl um the uh, one with
3: what the The owl owl. i didn't watch any of the sequels oh
4: um yeah the uh the marked one the marked ones um right the with the, the mexicans
3: Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I did see so, that one. Uh,
1: so obviously, you know, and I think it's cool when you when you create something, thinking outside of the box, and then and then you know, there's obviously a lot of copycats. Um, oh yeah. You know, I I wanted to say like you know when I, I, and it really it really inspired me, but I was also like you know what, as far as music, I'm all I was always trying to find the same kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think in Holland. If I want to take you back, I think in Holland, like we, when we started doing open format, we took it to a whole nother level. Um, playing records nobody would even expect. And I must credit another guy for it, a guy that came from the Canary Islands, Tenerife, this guy called Real Alcanario, Canario. And so I was already doing my thing as far as open format, but this dude came with a whole different open format, open format, you know? Yeah open for him and i'm like okay so that dude inspired us and i was like yeah okay but you know um obviously he came from canary islands and he still had his kind of records and i blended whatever was popular in 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 holland and i took it to another level with whatever he was doing you know and it's just cool to see to to see how that eventually became so instrumental to wherever i was taking it after you know Mm -hmm.
2: Mm
0: Do you think the crowds were more receptive then or now to the true open format?
1: I would say both, you know, Um, because then, because it was super new, so it Mm -hmm. almost, like we would play disco records and then whatever funk or rare grooves, and it would sound fresh to them, you know, so they Mm -hmm. were like, so we kind of made it, you know, we made people just we forced them to listen to it and made it hip, you know, in the club. We brought that sound to a club like it was like some new form of music. And 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 uh, so back then it was super new, but also because it's crazy to say, but I come from an era where you would either have a hip hop club or a house music club. There was nothing in between. So you either hip hop or house music, you know what I'm saying? And we kind of brought, we kind of blended both worlds. Uh, yeah, if that makes sense, and and that eventually became like a new standard. You know yeah. what I'm saying? What uh, what year do you think it was around? Sorry, um, I would say 2000, somewhere between 2001 and 2004 ish. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like like in in general, hip hop DJs in Holland would play 80% hip hop, and then the rest, you know, whatever, uh, yeah. or dance so a little bit whatever's popular uh, yeah. but we really brought it to cuz at, at a certain point i was doing like 30,000 tickets big venue and we would play open format you know what i'm saying yeah really format and and so so i yes i think um 2001 2005 ish and then 30,000
0: tickets on open format is fucking bananas yeah.
1: It that's, is, because so we because we made it appeal to, to, let's say, a wider audience. You know what I'm saying? Um, Like we made it interesting for, for people that would love house music because we brought it kind of had that same energy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. Uh, and, but also what's very important is that I started making music to connect certain records, you know, so obviously it would be very just different. Like I could not play back then. I could not play those records international because it wouldn't make sense to nobody, you know, mm. uh, but there was a lot of records coming from the States that kind of resonated, you know, to the Dutch, the Dutch dance force. It's it's crazy because we had this style back in the days, uh, it, we called it bubbling and bubbling is basically sped up. So we would play like 90s dance hall in, instead of playing it on 33 we would play it on 45. So those 90 BPM records would become like 128. And, you know, obviously in America, you had Baltimore, but mm-hmm. also there were like a lot of guys in New York doing like a Latin house kind of things. You know, a lot of records like Strictly Rhythm Records, a lot of those labels and Nervous Records. Yeah, they, were very, yeah, they were very important to us because some of those records would just simply crossover and they would totally fit our dance floors, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I always say Armand van helden was like, you know, one of my biggest inspirations. Armand van Helden and Kenny Dope to be exact. I was gonna because
3: say Kenny, Louie, and Armand are kind of like
1: masters. That sure. whole Rocky Rosario, that whole, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And i Colin, that
3: was a nice little
4: find too that you found.
0: Yeah, I just saw that there's an Armand uh remix on um Boost boo. Town DJs, my boo. I had and no I had no clue.
4: I and I had I had the record too, and I didn't know it was him bro i weird. asked armand
1: yeah. about it i asked armand about those records you know and he he told me armand told me the story he's like yo man i just i'm I'm like yo bro how come you would just produce so many different sounds he's like bro to be honest i would just produce the records and sell it for 1200 bucks because i just needed the money i'm like <laughs> there's one interesting find, and i bet okay i, I think you guys don't know armand van helden Produced this record for a dancehall artist called Skida Ranks. It's on Nervous Records. If you hear the record, he assembled a Smith and Wesson song and he turned it into dancehall. Wow. And I found out that he later I found out he produced that record, bro. And I'm like, I'll send you the I'll send you the link and you you're gonna be like, What? That's that's crazy. Yeah.
3: It's so funny. Armin's like, especially like his 90s stuff. It seems so all over the place because it was he was making hip hop records, but he was also making house records.
1: Same goes for Kenny Dope. Kenny yeah, Dope, too. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. And, and even like after said, that, Loco Dice and so many more, you know, with hip hop background stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's how I know Loco Dice. Me and Loco Dice have been friends forever because I know him from the hip hop days. I would play open format sets in German and, you know, I've known from way back. But, you know, it's actually so Armand Van Helden and Kenny Dope, like I said before, like, in Holland, it was either hip hop or house, you know. And I was a record, I was a music lover, so I was, you know, collecting vinyl, what, whatever genre. Uh, but I would never really play it in the clubs like that. And those guys really made me feel comfortable doing it because they would do, they would do it all. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm mm. like, yeah, they can do it. Fuck it, I can do it. Yeah. So that's, yeah.
0: With with the the separate scenes, there's two different scenes. Um, I know we've talked previously. Uh, Nico's a B boy. Was there a breakdance scene out there that people were getting oh, into? Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah. Hell
1: yeah. Of course. Uh, listen, and in the 90s, we all grew up with, even in the 80s, you know, like we all grew up with whatever was coming out of America. Mm. And America was like, you know, the promised land. Like, so mm. you would have like an auntie traveling to America. Whatever she brought back from the States is like, oh, my God. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, simple. The most simple airport shirt with a new york print on it would be we'd be like oh it's from the states, yeah <laughs> so even with the music so we learned about american culture first through records you know we press or even i remember if, if you remember the 90s like you know like any hip-hop record any 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 picture on it would have the freshest sneakers or some shit like that and we're like yeah. Yo, those crazy you know yeah. um uh, so so you know from we had whatever was happening in america we had we copied it you know yeah, yeah and eventually made it our own eventually made it our own you know um it was for a long time that it wasn't even cool to that to rap in our local language you know we all wanted to sound american like it's mm-hmm. only last, let's say 10 years 15 years it's you know people are cool with it but before yeah. that it was you had to sound american you had to dress american you know, we would yeah. copy whatever. Yeah, it was it was like that. So we definitely had a scene and eventually, you know, we got our own subcultures. Like I said, we had the b- whole bubbling movement thing going on in the nineties, end of end of the nineties, beginning two thousands, and and obviously whatever we were doing, it was still, you know, kind of inspired by the one of the elements. Mm, mm. Yeah. So did but you start
0: a- with hip hop records or did you start with disco or no.
1: No. Um so so basically um I think the first record I bought was a drum and bass record actually. Oh shit. Uh, I was I, I was big on drum and bass as a kid. Um I remember as a kid you know I would listen to uh, we had this pirate station I, did, I think it was just broadcasting from the UK whatever mm. and I would listen to it every week so I was like and actually because of we would call it jungle back then or breakbeat
2: mm.
1: um actually because of jungle and breakbeat I kind of got into electronic music mm. but when i started obviously the whole high school was everybody was hip-hop
2: mm-hmm. so,
1: so you grow up and you all your friends are hip-hop we obviously were watching your mtv raps, so we try to even like with crisscross we would <laughs> you know flip our pants like that um so we um we were very inspired by that but for me i started um so i grew up as a hip-hop kid and i was like. Collecting different kinds of you know genres, but I was certain that I want to play hip hop in the clubs because that's my attitude, my friends' attitude. I cannot play any house records with my friends around, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I got bored of that kind of quickly because the majority of the people that would come to parties would be just be boys, you know, yeah. you know, hardly any girls. So I'm so I'm like, no, we gotta switch it up, bro. Yeah, yeah. So that and especially yeah.
0: drum and bass too is only dudes, right? Like I'm <laughs> drum telling and bass you, man. Yeah, especially
1: yeah. early '90s, man. Over yeah, like late '90s. Oh man, it's only dudes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: it, I felt like I had to change it. Yeah, for everyone myself.
0: Standing, everyone standing, standing around with their arms crossed, just kind of vibing. You know, that's like that's like a jungle show right there, right? Like in a <laughs> same nutshell.
1: Thing, same thing, same thing in Harlem, man. Especially with hip hop as well. Mm. There were no girls in the parties. Mm. So I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> so yeah, you, yeah.
0: you look to the states and and you found house through Chicago through Frankie Knuckles through that kind of movement stuff like that and then you're like okay craft work and I know Shannon let the music play was influential to you as well Yeah,
1: because back then yeah because back then I was I was living in the motherland still and uh, our country is not too far from America like Miami is like a two-hour flight from here So obviously we were heavy, the radio here was heavy influenced by the States. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like a radio DJ. Mm -hmm. And um, I remembered like they would always play whatever's hot, you know? And then Shannon, I remember as a a, a kid, when I heard that record on the radio, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's, it really got me. And then I remember when, right before I moved to Holland, I got this Beat Street LP um so that was officially my first record but i have to i had to leave it in the motherland couldn't take it with me because you know there was no space in the luggage mm. um but yeah man that was very important to me
0: mm. the transition as far as gear did you make your way through cd uh turntables and then to cdjs or did you go digital and serato at any point or no
1: no never. no so, so i went from records to uh, to when the pioneers came out, so the CDJs. Um, I went to CDs first. Hmm. Did that for a minute, and I think I switched. Yeah, I switched from CDs to MP3s. Never did the digital thing. Hmm. Uh, actually, I tried, but I'm. You know what it is when i when i get busy i just there's too much to think of you know computers that need to stay in a charger and i like to party so if i'm in the booth with with some drinks i don't want to spill it on my computer and then mess it mess up the whole weekend you know
0: right right right, right. I, I would
1: like no nah, I, I don't want to i don't want it to get tech, too technical and yeah. my impression was always when i saw these you know these djs with la- playing with laptops i'm like yo it just looks like somebody's while he's in front of a crowd, he's just on Facebook. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, that's not me. I couldn't I just want to stare at my crowd or see my crowd. Yeah. So I don't want to stare at the laptop. And
0: and you're back to rocking vinyl too. I I just saw that video of you playing Samir's theme. You're like you're bringing yeah. vinyl games. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so the thing is, the thing is, I was always like, you know, I will never get rid of my vinyl collection. Never. Mm. And at some point, when I'm, you know, when I got time and I'm, you know i'm bored with whatever i'm doing i want to just do vinyl sets whenever all my classics are real classics yeah. even team is a real classic then yes i want to go i, I just want to do vinyl parties so i had a choice to either start my own event like an all vinyl party or like you know what let me just see who whoever's doing what so i found this collective from amsterdam and they were already doing like vinyl parties so i'm like yo guys I think I just want to join you guys, you know. I, I for them it was kind of weird because I'm still a big name for them. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. You yeah. So I explained it simple to them. I said, "Chucky, bro, for us,
0: you're a big name.
1: You're a big name for everyone, man. Come on." <laughs> Thank you, man. Come no, on, but bro. they were like they were su- super surprised, and I'm like, "No, I just I said, listen, I just I just don't want to have the headache of promoting an event. You you guys are already doing great, and at some point, I just don't want to, you know, be your competition. I'd rather join you guys. First of all, I love what you guys are doing." Because obviously we're in it for the same love. So yeah. I'd rather join you guys. It's still for me, it's a labor of love, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I'm like, I'd rather join you guys. So they're cool. You know, I get like I don't know, gas money <laughs> to pay. it. But <laughs> no, but it's only totally cool, but at least I don't have to I don't have to promote the events, you know, and it's already a full. You just hour. gotta show up to your thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah. so uh when I joined them about three two years ago. Because it was only during the pandemic I started to have enough time to st- you know sorting out my records. Mm. So once I you know once I got there the first gig I was like it took me two weeks to find a decent collection that would make sense to take to the club you know. Right now you know obviously I'm a little bit more routine and you know super comfortable with it. I'm really 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 having fun, mm. and also it's funny that you know we all know that kind of it's. Everybody starts to get into vinyl again, or whatever, you know. And just the whole thing—seeing a DJ literally struggling with records—it's um, <laughs> yeah. still a cool sight to see, you know. You're like, "Oh fuck, he's really doing it," you know. Yeah. yeah. It uh, really—it
3: reminds you that he's up there doing something.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. this
3: whole thing right now where people are just like, "What the fuck do DJs even do?" But when oh, you yeah, see yeah, yeah, records, yeah. it's like uh, people don't even know how a record works on its own, yeah. let alone blending them and beat matching and the whole thing so now it's even like yeah i really have no fucking idea what they're doing bro
1: i gotta tell you this the first time i played on cdjs like you know that that week that little transition week i stood behind the cdjs and to me it was just weird like the wheels were not spinning
2: mm. oh yeah
1: it was so weird just yeah. to stand there and see you know obviously there's music but the wheel's in spinning, spinning just like nothing's moving nothing's <laughs> yeah, yeah. moving I'm like yo what I was I felt so uncomfortable <laughs> I'm like yeah yeah even the feel the feel you know you're like
0: you're used to that 1200 feel when I pull back it's got a certain pull to it when I speed it up when I'm twisting that you know there's no middle knob to twist you know there's nothing
1: it's like all right and then also I kind of I wanted to say I kind of lost my groove. That the first month I was like, I was not, sound, I did not have the same energy as on vinyl, you know? Mm. I was, it was just a whole new me. So I'm like, okay, but how am I gonna do this? Because mm. you don't sound anything like you used to a month ago. And I'm like, okay, but you can't, obviously, you, you can't sound like how you sounded on vinyl. So I was like, okay, I have to make it work for me and find something to make it interesting, you know? So, you know, I, obviously there were the hot cues and I started burning my CDs in a certain way so I could cue up the next song really fast. So I would just, you know, do whatever to make it sound at least different from what I, I was not trying to copy the old me. I was trying mm. to take it to a new, new level. And once I embraced that, I found ways to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, for example, the first trick I did was like I had... um Remember the Jay Kwan record "Tipsy"? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We start with a the, the, with a with a kick and a clap. Yeah. So I had a kick and a clap, and I would, so it would go like, and I would be like, do like a little routine. First, I would go like, like we will rock you, mm-hmm. yeah. and, then, I would, I, and that, then after that, I would do like the 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 one from Clips, the gr- the grinding sequence.
2: Grinding.
1: Yeah. Boom so i was trying to find those kind of tricks and trying to make it interesting again you know yeah even that in holland so you know people were all obviously looking up to me as like an open format dj and people started copying that kind of you know you know that kind of style yeah um so i knew i was like on the right track and then Mm. obviously i found some ways to do the same thing with house mixes, whatever i was doing Mm. yeah
0: was there ever a desire
1: to be a turntableist or no yes yes 100 yeah. percent. and i got into this competition one time and that's the first time and the last time <laughs> and i'll tell you why i did not get my ass kicked but <laughs> i was sure i was supposed to win that competition because the thing was i was the only dj that did the whole, I had like a whole story prepared, right? So I had like a stack of records, had everything cued with the little tapes and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the little stickers. Mm-hmm. So I came on and I threw away my headphones just to show them like, oh fuck, he's gonna do it without any headphones. Obviously, you know, I had the whole story. So I was doing my thing and that I, um, even if I have to say like, I I know that set was tight, tight, mm-hmm. tight, tight, mm-hmm. even mixed the transition, everything was tight. And then these motherfuckers put me in second place because <laughs> yeah, because obviously the guy, the guys that were first place, they were their friends. I'm like, okay, if it's like this, I don't want to be fuck part of this. Shit. Done. Yeah. I'm fuck done. Because if it's not, yeah, it's gonna be if this is if this is the vibe, no fuck this shit.
3: It's political already. I'm out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 But yeah. It, but but you know, um trying to become like because obviously it comes from hip-hop, you know, you wanted to, at least I knew like the basic scratches and whatever I could do, like a little bit juggling, backspinning. Um, That really helped me, you know, let's say, be different than, you know, a lot of other DJs, because a lot of DJs just were not technical. They would just simply mix, and I would use that even in big crowds. I would use, you know, my technical ability to do certain things, and that really made me I want to say stand out as well you know it really helped me mm. yeah
2: mm.
1: i i want to ask about something that i've always felt was a
3: little bit different than the states yeah and that's um in europe in general it seems like that the perception of house music dance music and hip-hop culture do kind of overlap whereas in the states even like I mean, in the 90s, even it was very separate. But like the people who were in it, like the people we talk to uh, talk about, mm-hmm. like Armand and all them were very influenced by hip hop. But in yeah. Europe, it seems like it's almost one and the fucking same, especially in the 90s. Like they dress uh, the part they buy, the, you know, what I mean, like everything is kind of.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, you know, Hip house was a thing, you know, there's yes. so many hip-hop groups, even EPMD had like a house record, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. yes. So to me, you know, even in the States, it was like they were embracing it. And I feel like in Europe, it was kind of separate. Um, ah. And obviously, obviously, so there was an era, and we all know this, like the new Jack Swing era, where the beats were like a little bit more up-tempo. Yeah. It was like a a housey-ish kind of remix so even if it would be like Jimmy Jam or what's his uh, Terry Lewis? Terry Lewis. Jimmy Jam and yeah, Terry yeah. Lewis. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like they would have housey, almost housey-ish kind of kind of soulful kind of records. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm saying? They,
4: they produced what, that human league album.
1: Exactly. Oh, yeah. Or even like Kenny mm-hmm. Riley had house-ish kind like of records. Ouncy,
3: yeah. Like yeah,
1: up, yeah, 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 up. yeah. Um so, so 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 to me, I think I think it's because of the, the the let's say the the the, the whole attitude of hip hop was like the way we said so house is house and hip hop especially because we we grew up with a different kind of house you yes. know obviously we had your influence as well but we we had this whole euro bounce thing already like back in the nineties already- house had its own had its own graphics and I believe those those, those graphics were inspired by if you look at the uh, Felix the House, had, uh, what's his song, Silver Screen Records. So we're all like freaky kind of videos, you know, and we kind of took that as a style. Okay, this is House. And mm-hmm. hip-hop had the baggy pants and all this stuff. So for me, it's like the other way around. Like it was definitely separate. It was only later that, you know, people saw that, you know, it's kind of like the way you feel. It's an overlap, yeah. Yeah, but, but the, I- over- yeah, the overlap for us came when, so when I was doing the, the whole open format thing, it helped that you know everybody, for example, liked NERD. You know the way they mm-hmm. dressed, and they were they were not hip hop, but they're hip hop. But they could also appeal to a rock crowd. You know, yeah. Uh, so, so those kind of elements definitely helped. But to me, it was just two different worlds, man. It's only later that kind of interesting.
3: Yeah, uh, I've yeah. always felt like my perception of it was like like I look at like the UK and their garage scene, and yeah. like they're wearing like nauticas and baggy jeans and like tommy like they're dressing like 90s Mm -hmm. pop yeah fast forward fast forward 2023
1: all the techno oh same shit they're all wearing
3: (laughs) baggy (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. the techno guys are now dressing like they're hip
1: hoppers i come from i come from an era in holland and when i say i come from era because it's it was so you don't even understand the politics i had to deal with i come from an era where like especially when i made the transition from going to from hip hop clubs to let's say more housey clubs yeah. I come from the days where they would be like yo even my agent would be like yo but you know if you want to do this house you gotta almost gotta dress housey. like what the fuck is dressing housey? you know what I'm 100%. saying <laughs> like <laughs> oh maybe you shouldn't wear snapbacks yeah. stuff so like yeah. Oh. Yeah. and then and then obviously you know I grew up in a fucked up neighborhood and all my friends are they look like straight thugs some, sometimes my agency would call me like yo you might want to leave some friends at home I'm like what what are you th-? I come from those days I come right. from those days. showing up at the club and they'd be like yo tonight is not hip hop night I'm like I know <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah, I know
3: I know okay the they're like are you sure <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> dude that's fucking you wild. can't you can't even imagine that shit now it's like straight mm. bro it's it's straight up racism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it's, to
3: tell you, Chucky, that shit is still here. It's, it's, and
1: I had to fight those kind of demons, bro. Yeah, yeah, you don't know, even. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's um, and that, obviously, Amsterdam. There was one club in Amsterdam that started embracing, that made hip hop for the hipsters. Mm. Yeah, is called Jamie Boo. and you know they started doing like it was the only prestige, like really upscale club. And they had a hip hop night. So those kind of little moments helped.
0: Yeah. Was was there a was it always like a side room if they did house and hip hop in one club? Was it there a side room for one? No. Side never. night. <laughs> oh, side night. They'd never mix it in one room.
1: Bro, if we would want to throw a hip hop party, you would get the Thursday or Wednesday. Friday instead is house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's
3: very interesting. I, I think I've just recently heard something about that, too, where it's like, Hip hop, like I think it was, it was a Jay Z clip where Jay Z was talking about the tour they did with Dmx and everybody. He was like, "That was the first real hip hop tour." Like nobody was really touring. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 so, like, yeah. like,
3: I guess that, the
4: hard not life, hard not life. Tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: He's like, there really wasn't any big tours like that back then, and so I guess it makes sense that like even in nightlife, the club is either a hip hop club or it isn't. mm-hmm yeah. You're lucky if the club does a night. Mm. So
1: there was no side room thing going on. Bro. No. Wow. no, 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 no. Wow. Side.
0: Because <laughs> I think yeah. in, in the States, like the raves and stuff would have a, a spare room. Yeah, there'd be two different vibes. Even in the club, on. too. Even in the club, yeah. too. Yeah.
3: I yeah. think, yeah, we've gathered from some old, older DJs in the 90s out here that they would have raves and then there would be like a side room at the rave. And but the side the, room eight. would be
1: either the side room would be either either ambient or trance.
3: Mm. But
1: the trance, as we know trance now, the trance back then was a whole different trance. It was literally trance music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. Mm. And like it almost had no beat. like Very ambient. ambient. Yeah, yeah, super ambient. Yeah. Those were the side rooms. Damn. Damn.
4: Like uh, rotary
3: mixers. Rotary mixers and what plugs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like literally playing sense live. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but
1: almost like, no, almost like a more like a chill out kind of room, you know? Yeah. yeah. On drugs and just sitting in, the, in that next room. Gets mm-hmm. in
3: a little too hard. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> you're K holing. Yeah. Did, yeah.
0: When did you notice that drug influence in Holland as far as the nightlife where you're like, okay, this rave shit is drugs first and then music second?
1: from the from the from get go. The, from, oh, jump. from the
0: jump yeah yeah
1: from the jump
0: <laughs> because mean... we talked to Greg wilson and he was like yo you know it wasn't until Ibiza till that really started to kick in they were like
1: okay these people are more interested in just raving than the fucking oh, music. because no bro because the first you gotta understand that the so it was always about strong graphics right and we all know the little yellow acid mm-hmm.
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: so the first pills would even be like, the acid pills, like the, yeah. the yellow pills with the smiley face on them. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was, Damn, Nick, <laughs> from the start. Life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's and it's funny that it's only the last I would say last eight years, like people in hip hop parties do, like drugs to too.
3: Yeah, man. That's actually I'm 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 with you on that because I feel like until the 2000s, like the early 2000s. Yeah, exactly. Even hip-hop there, yeah. was really just well i mean beastie boys talk about doing dust and stuff like that yeah. but like i think on a cultural like massive level like doing like lean and hills yeah. and that kind of shit
1: exactly i guess like, it
3: like, was a, I, we should say it got popular in later like, why
1: would you want to be tripping balls on the ice cube record <laughs> yeah <it's> just... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's an angel
3: shit. does they're trying to rob banks <laughs>
0: that's real shit. yeah so you come to the states Term. you come you come to the states and you come to miami and what was your initial reaction as because you've heard about it you you know i think at this point um you know the mashup with uh your track in lmfao had yeah. made its way to the states where everyone knew who the fuck you were before you even walked
1: in the room yep that's a wild feeling man it's the bro. It's the wildest feel. It's the wildest feeling. Um. So so I remember going to that that very specific uh, WMC, the Winter Music Conference. I had my list. Like I want to go see him. I want to go see him. I want to go see him. So I had I, on my list. I had David Gera, Swedish House Mafia was new back then, and all their opening records was just that record. <laughs> and I'm standing there looking at like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> And the funny part is, even before, so even before the Winter Music Conference, um, I was trying to get that record signed, you know. But it was to me, it was like a typical Dutch sound. So, Mm. you know, obviously, I wasn't successful in signing the record. And then, you know, thank God somebody made it make sense, Mm. matching it up, and you know, everybody was playing it, and I was, what the hell is going on? But luckily for me is that, you know, guys like David Guetta, you know, like when you're into pop music, you're always and especially when you're a pop producer, you're always looking for the next big thing. Right. right. So for Guetta, because he I did a bunch of parties in Holland and Gera saw me play. Uh, so when Guetta heard me or heard some of my early records, for him, it makes sense that one Love album he did back then, it was all Dutch inspired because he took that as an inspiration um so so you know eventually that helped because at the same time when when that record finally caught on i already had Mumba, mm. ready to go mm. you know what i'm saying mm. and all i need was like more mainstream more mainstream success that's where Getta came it all happened at the same time that's mm. where Getta came and he was like yo can you do me a remix but it has to sound like let the bass kick or at least influence take those drums, take those synths, you know, put my vocals, whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. You know, and I I like I said I kind of needed something like something like that to be happening at that very moment because I already had like a little buzz going. Yeah. And so he gave me he gave me the sexy bitch. He's like, yo, I'm working on this record with Akon. Um uh, it's almost done. You know, I want you to do do a remix. At the same time I went to the states. I went to Vegas. I had a. I had a. I had to meet Little John. Um, to work on some records because he, you know, he he was always like also upfront, very upfront. He's like, yo, I fuck with this sound, you know. Obviously, he heard it through Diplo, mm-hmm. and then somehow, some way, we, you know, eventually, um, got some studio time. And we were in studio, and I was working on David Guetta record this remix. And I always wanted to do, because I felt like if I'm going to do electronic music, first of all, it has to be my sound, like different. I don't want to sound like anybody else, because it makes no sense. You got to add something to the table, you know. So I'm like, you know what? My approach, what I want to do, I want to do like how hip-hop would do a remix. If there's a hip-hop record, then there's like a remix of the record. There's always like another rapper on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, So I wanted to do that same approach. I'm like, okay, what if I do a remix for David Guetta? And I add another rapper on it, you know. And I like, you know what? I always wanted to have like Lil John as a hype man. So I my approach was like a hip hop remix, but on a house record. I I want to say it's like the first remix, house remix with a rapper on it, you know, mm-hmm. with that specific pur- purpose. Mm-hmm. So I did, you know, it was the sexy sexy bitch. So Akon or Um David an Akon sexy bitch remixed by Chucky and Lil John. Mm-hmm. You know? and That's- Massive, yo. Massive, massive. But I it came from that hip-hop mindset. Like, I want to, that's what I want to do. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And I then
3: worked at the win was, when that shit came out.
1: Yeah, and he was, he was like, that's smart, Chucky. And then he's like, I got another record with Estelle. You want to do that one too? I'm like, shit, how am I going to top this record? So I call Fat Man Scoop like, yo, you know, I got this record going. How with to do again. Are you kidding me? I love that record with Lil John, man. I love that remix. With- He's like, yo, let's do it. So I sent him the beat, you know. I said, all you gotta do is this. He's like, send me the record. So he just sent me the stems. I'm like, yo, fuck with it. So I had another record with that same hip-hop mindset, like yo, you know, another hip-hop guy on a how on a we wouldn't even call it EDM back then. Yeah, but another record, on yeah, exactly. Dude, so that was the whole approach, and it 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 definitely helped. Um, so at that point. When I was doing, when Miami, after Miami, literally all the record labels were calling me like, we need this record. I had no clue what the fuck was going on because I was trying to sign that record for the whole year and nobody wanted to sign it. After Miami, everybody wanted to sign it, you know, so I had that record going. Then I had the David Guetta remixes. At the same time, I had Moomba out and Moomba also was like kind of a sound nobody heard before, you know what I'm saying? right uh, I, I took the you know let the basically kind of drums and then put that massive sound on it um but i also still wanted to you know show like hey we're from holland it's our shit is different mm-hmm. so i called afrojack i called sydney Sampson. i called rehab i called hardwell if you look at the if you look at the, the the remix list it that's that's no joke unreal yeah it's no joke so so you know i was happy to to I don't want to say I opened the doors for him, but, you know, it got some extra attention for, for people coming out of Holland. Yeah. Uh, so times were great. And I knew it got serious when, you know, Jamie Iovine is on the phone and he's just calling you personally, you know, and I'm negotiating this deal with Jamie Iovine. I'm like, yeah, but it's crazy. You know, people just is sending you invitations to do sessions. Uh, at that point, you know, I had like Enrique Iglesias calling me personally, like, yo, I want... That sound you did for David Gera I want a remix of that. As a matter of fact, get me two. Here's two songs. You know what I'm saying? So, was it weird? Yes. Did <laughs> I, did I no, but you know, the stars were aligned very well, <laughs> and so mm. it, it worked out. And I'm happy that it went this way uh, because you know we all know what happened after. It just exploded. Yeah. And,
3: when and you just- were oh, when you were working with Little John in Vegas, were you at the Wind Studios?
1: No, the uh what's a, a Palm the Palm?
3: Palm's place, that's oh, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Says, and yeah, the funny them. part, here's the funny part. So I get there because I have this, you know, I have a studio session with Lil John planned Uh I, I believe it was on a Friday or whatever. And I get there on Thursday night and my boy from Vegas, I believe I shared a video of it. Uh my boy from Vegas because he was also like, you know, trying to get stuff to Vegas and because he was like, uh, I don't know, he wasn't even a talent buyer, he was just uh a host or whatever
2: yeah.
1: and he's like yo I, you know i can uh, can set it up i get you a room at the palm you know all you gotta do is you know do this and that uh, uh, go meet him go meet him i even did like a short set at the excess back then for like 15 minutes i did like a my own version of open format in a dutch way and he said listen this is what we're gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna introduce you to these guys from drace you're gonna do the after after hours do your dutch thingy whatever you do do it in that room your little, so, <laughs> you little dutch <laughs> thing yeah and that's the it's the because it's my first this is my first experience yeah. playing in america i'm yeah. in Vegas, some crazy club called drace yeah. and i'm playing and it was so it's so crazy because even uh because drace had two rooms one is a hip-hop room One's an electric electric room mm. and i started playing and I have I brought my A game, my A game, because I was it's my first time in America. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I didn't have a visa back then, but you know, if, <laughs> yeah, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> you said 15 minutes. No, I didn't play actually. Never no, mind.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no. No, 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 no. So so when I played, and it was so crazy. So people started throwing money. Like I collect that night, I collected like four or five thousand dollars. People just throwing money in booth, and then it was so crazy. Apparently, I emptied the hip hop room. Everybody wanted to see what what was happening in the next room. I was just straight up killing it. And then I see this guy walking in. That's little John walking in. And he's like, "Yo, what's this?" You know, he saw the uh, energy was crazy. He's like, "Who are you?" I said, "Yo, I'm Chucky. Nice to meet you." He's like, "Oh, we have a session tomorrow." And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we started drinking that night. Just shot, you know, little John. So we started doing oh, shots.
3: Makes it were vodka.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> then, yeah, bro, we got in the studio. I show up 11 a.m. He's in the studio, just half dead on the on the couch. Like he's like, "Fuck me, Chucky! Fuck you, Chucky!" You brought it on yourself, bro. Yeah, and, and so we started working. We had like I think three days. And John, he was so hurt, so like really crippled. him so two days, he was just he was he Kicked, his
3: ass. Kicked his ass. So
1: it's only the last 30 minutes on the third day. I'm like, yo, but come on, bro. We gotta do something.
4: That is and- so. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because he couldn't get his ad libs in, huh? He
1: couldn't get his ad libs. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, like, he what like what what? <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: yeah. And and my dream was like, I'm I'm like, yo, John, say this. He's like, yo, yeah, it's little John. I was you know acting like I was him. It's that dirty Dutch meets the motherfucking dirty South. I know if I would take that to Holland, are you kidding me? I'm, <laughs> yo, I'm, I'm sad. Send- yeah. I had upset, like, oh, he's Lil Jones boy, shit. Yeah,
2: yeah. you know, yeah. it's so, so sick. Recorded.
1: Yeah, and he did ad libs and whatever, and and then I, you know, when I got home, I got to finish the the remix, and yeah, man. And then he even jumped on the um, let the bass kick uh, version I had with Jermaine Dupri, mm-hmm. also. Mm. And for me, somebody from Holland, you have a house record with Jermaine Dupri doing verses. Little John, the like as the hype man on the record. Are you kidding me? You're yeah.
3: pivoting like that's that's like a pivotal moment, and like
1: it, it, definitely for me. I don't know, about for me culturally
3: though, like even still, like it's it's an era people talk about in in, in the blog house industry.
0: era. This is in yeah. blog house too. You
3: post this is the yeah. post house. This is the next yeah. where blog house basically goes. Yeah. Supernova. Mm-hmm. Well, I worked yeah. at XS back in this era, too. So I was in the club while it was happening. Yeah. Watching it turn into this fucking massive thing. So it yep. goes from, like, the Mastercrafts, Crystal Castles era into the yep. fucking Chucky era, the Dirty Dutch era, where I'm watching yep. Chucky, Afrojack. And yep. you guys turn this grimy house into fucking songs with Little John and Pitbull and whoever the fuck, like, it, it and Regan Iglesias. Hey.
0: Here's yeah, the crazy yeah, yeah. part. the The Dirty Dutch sound was 2003, though, right?
1: Yeah, it the original was... original original Dirty, original dirty Dutch. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because listen, bro, we couldn't play synths for shit, you know. So we, I would, just, <laughs> I would, I would sample whatever and whatever would make sense in a sequence. I'm like, okay, all I need is like 808 on it and a hard mm. ass, and that's the record, <laughs> you know. And mm. we would play them as DJ tools. That's right. it. Yeah. we played them as DJ tools, and then this guy from Germany, the uh, Roman Flugel, he produced this record called Gates Knog. That I think that record came out in 2003, and he had like a his his, his pitch bending with the bleepy sound. It made sense, you know. And that mm. record was so big, and we all were like, you see, this is the sound. So, mm. kind of took that pitch bending style from him and made it ev- eventually made it work for us. Um, and yeah and it's only because i needed there was like a gap in music like i wanted to play a sound but there were no records that would represent that sound so i had to we had to make it ourselves Mm. we had to make them so we would do bootlegs whatever and then introduce the the bleeps in it like laid back luke was doing his thing um so the sound was kind of shaping up shaping up and shaping up and when IDT called me because they had this compilation for this Sensation event, and Sensation would sell like 40,000 CDs in Europe. I'm like, okay, they asked me for this record, like for a record for the compilation. And I'm like, okay, this is my opportunity. And why is it my opportunity? Because it's the only time you're probably gonna get a chance to be on a compilation that's gonna sell 40,000 copies. And it's gonna be all over Europe. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna try to sound like the rest of the CD? Or you take his moment because you're going to be in the CD anyway. They Artless. Really yeah. Honest. Or I'm going to try to make something that represents what we are doing in Holland, you know, mm. and the original version of Let the Bass Kick was on a compilation. And I'm talking about so I'm talking about if, 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 let me see, if Winter Music Conference was in March two, two, yeah, 2000, 2009, 2009, this record came out in July, 2008. Wow. So July, 2008, up until March, I could not sell, sign that record nowhere. But at least the record was already, you know. Had some legs. It was loud, it was loud you know. Um, and one Italian label signed it and they were like, yeah, let's do a run of 500 copies, vinyl. And, you know, n- nothing happened until a winter music conference. But it was definitely... But before the whole bloghouse thing, man. Yeah. Dude. What? Yeah.
0: That's so yeah. fucking nuts. Because because the entry point for the states was let the bass kick, and then it was everything slowly after that. Where we worked our way backwards through your catalog. We yeah, started yeah. there, and yeah. then we're playing catch up. Where you're yeah. like, dude, I've been killing it. You know, like yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, well, let's yeah, go yeah, back, you.
0: go back, go back, and. I think it it was attributed to the blogs, of course, because people did more yeah. research on you and they were like, oh, Chuck, he's got a catalog. He's He's got... Because how many years in the game were you at that point?
1: Um, if you want to say, what, 2008? Mm. So I, I started, I don't know, 95. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I only started shaping the sound early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. You know? And like anything before the 2000s, it just had the drums, but not the synth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but also what's very interesting is um when Samir's team came out, mm. those records had this kind of the same energy-ish as the Dutch house records. So that's why like Samir's team is literally a Dutch classic as well. Like, yeah. you know, definitely yeah. played those sets um so so that's where i find a hey, it started it started it started to blend and those records would make sense and then there were like a lot of Baltimore records that would also make sense in our sets because they also had those raw sampled yeah. trumpets or whatever you know yeah and it was all also 128 bpm also had 808s hard snares stuff like that yeah uh, so th- that's where those i would say those worlds would collide
0: would you say that uh, Beat Roots and Aoki warp one point nine that's that's your sound basically that that's that Dutch sound?
1: I don't want to say it was that Dutch sound, but it definitely had that energy because yeah. it's hard to find records to play after that Dutch sound, you know mm, back yeah. then, especially back then and yeah. and 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 then you know, there's like there was like a lot of electro music out as well. And some of those records would resonate, but a lot of them didn't make sense in the sets. And then, you know, obviously the sounds got harder and harder in the States as well. So, you know, we started to 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 blend more of those records, whatever was popular in the States. Mm. And you know, it, it became like more like a 50-50 balance at some point, because we also had to kill it on an in, in the states. And you want to play something they know, you know, right. you wanna with something you have, and then you know, eventually it kind of balanced out nice. Mm. Yeah yeah i want
0: to ask you about two different movements first i want to hear your response to when dubstep broke what was your initial thought to that kind of sound
1: sounded like two robots fucking (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no yeah no first place i was like what the hell is going on but then i started to break it down from let's say producer stand you know standpoint i'm like okay but this is some heavy ass sound designing bro yeah yeah. and 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 also back then I, I, I think I was about to sign to Atlantic Records. And then you know at the same time they had they just signed Skrillex. Mm. Was that the first album called the um... uh, Scary
0: Monsters? Yeah, Scary Monsters. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And I was listening to the sound the signing. I'm like, this guy is no fucking joke. Right. You know. Uh, and to me, dubstep, I was listening to a lot of Skrillex stuff, but I wasn't really paying attention to the rest some records would stand out, but I was like, okay, but it's, you know, it's a whole different energy. And eventually I was already touring a lot in the States and that, you know, that, that movement grew so fast, Mm. you know, it kind of overshadowed everything, which is Mm. cool for me. But I was, first I was like, what the hell is going on? And I I was only cool with it because it kind of had like half tempo of drum and bass. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was kind of fucking with it as well, you know, and obviously it had some, some, that dirty southbounds because yeah. still like 50 150 bpm on 54 something like that mm. so i was i was and i, I def, and i got i had the opportunity or the chance to meet skrillex in person because you know we did like a tour i think it's it's australia yeah we were on tour in australia you know i got to know him but also his, his whole process of producing and the way he was thinking like he he just don't want to be put in a box and you know uh, and i was always cool with that because me growing up that's why I really appreciate the UK because the UK was like, they were fucking with all kinds of different BPMs, mm. you know, and mm. garage or, or like the dubstep or like, you know, grime, grime drum and yeah, bass, yeah. you know, or even the UK hip hop, it always had some weird ass BPM. And, and so I was, I was kind of, eventually I was cool with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, how about the Mumbaton movement? What was your initial
1: thoughts to that? I was I was I was surprised because I'm like yeah, but we've been doing this, <laughs> like, Yeah, We already yeah, but uh, so, so obviously you know they kind of I want to say they made it official. Uh, yeah. but we've been on those drums because, like I said, we were influenced in Holland. We were influenced by the '90s dance hall and the '90s. One of the most important records, um, like how in in drum and bass, the, one of the most important records is like the almond Break. Mm-hmm. From yeah, so in 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 dance in Holland, when we started to sample drums from dancehall records, Murder She Wrote is one of the most important records because those drums, like we we still use them. I mean, you know, um, like the mumba version of Average Jack has had has that snare from Murder She Wrote, right? And so all they did is basically, you know, pitch down the record, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I, I was like, I fuck with it because it has that. It's super open format. Only now it's an official record in an open, you know, with an open format mindset. So you have the Latin rhythms, but you also have that electronic touch of the, the whatever kind of synths. So I was really happy with it, and I was super flattered because if I did not name that record Mumba. Yeah. I don't even know what they would have called the 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 whole genre, you know what I'm saying?
0: Right Right.
1: I don't know if you guys know how I came how the how I came up with the name Mumba. Um, I had so I had the record Mumba, the yeah. one I made. and I had it fresh from fresh out of my computer, and it had no title yet. Normally, you always have like a working title for a track, right? I had it was co- called one, two, three, four, five, or whatever. and i'm I'm in Aruba. I had to do this gig. I'm in Aruba. And I, and I played that record that night, and the record went absolutely bananas. And I was playing at this beach club called Mumba. Mm. Oh, it's so, still there. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> so, that's so, funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I took that name, I added an H to it, so Mumba. I'm like, oh, that's a catchy name, you know. And I'm, so I named it Mumba. And then, you know, Average Egg made the remix, and then Dave uh, Nada down yeah. like, super cool because we could definitely play that sound in holland yeah. because of the, the latin rhythm you know back then it was like what 110 bpm something like that yeah uh, yeah yeah so i was i was i was cool with it like anything different from whatever was already hot in the states this would take me back to you know like let's say my comfort zone i'm like i'll, mm-hmm. fuck, I'll fuck with it yeah yeah yeah
3: that. that is where i live this is my yeah. thing. now are you are, are you on uh
4: are you on Afro beats and I'm a piano right now
1: too? Um I fuck with it. I love it. But I'm like, I don't I don't need to have all whatever's up. To, I don't need to be really up to date with those records. Mm. Because I don't feel like hey, I don't wanna become all of a sudden six fifty percent of my sets are like full of Afro beats and you know, like uh, I'm a piano. Uh, I love the style, mm. but uh I've been I've been messing around with African music if I mm-hmm. wanna like that if you look at my catalog dirty dutch i signed this african record um Mugwanti. you can look it up in in, in and this is i'm this is i'm talking 2010 you know yeah. what i'm saying uh because those rhythms those rhythms always i was always I like yeah I fuck with it it's cool um but and now all of a sudden everybody you know jumping on that bandwagon yeah i but i've been we i think We've all been there before, like seeing people jump on a bandwagon and all of a sudden they're like the biggest uh, piano DJ or they want to pretend like they're always always been the biggest piano, piano DJ. Please, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've we've all seen that happen. Many I've seen, uh, to be honest, I feel that even happened with dubstep. Oh, yeah, a lot of yeah, everything else, and they're like, I'm a dubstep DJ. Yeah. Cool for you, bro. And then Trap. And then they, they all to yeah. Trap. It's happening right now cool. with
4: Jersey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Jersey. Yeah. 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 So I feel like, yes, I do play it in my sets. And yes, yeah. I feel like, hey, I should make like, if I would make a like a house record, I want to use some of those elements, but I don't need, I don't feel I want to do a full, I'm a piano set. Can I do mm-hmm. it? Yes, I can do it. But anybody right. can work with a computer because you could literally download the top, 20 or top 30 and then do it in instead All of
3: the day, I right. have
1: that. but with house, it was different. Like when I was still like considered a hip hop DJ or the format DJ, mm. I really felt like, okay, but I could definitely do a house set because I just loved house music already, you know, mm-hmm. oh, and the reason why I fell in love with house because of the groove and, you know, it's journey and stuff like that. So I really felt like, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, I definitely want to do one of those long sets as well. I don't have that same feeling with I'm a piano Got uh-huh.
4: Gotcha. Piano. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And and to be honest, it's it sounds it sounds I don't even want to say it sounds weird to say this, but it's gonna get adopted by the states. There's gonna be tons of open format versions. Yep. And that's exactly the, the end of the <laughs> it's already that's where we're at, where oh, we're it's at right now. Happening. Like this. like we're, we're right Google uh, Rihanna, I'm a Piano remix. There's a Is bunch. There. of them. You know
3: What I'm saying? We got a fucking uh, Twenty One Savage on Afrobeat songs. It's it's already there. It's getting there. It'll no, be there. It's, right. it's it's there right
4: now. We're we're at that. I think people are already
3: right like wondering like if it's played. But well,
4: that's what I'm saying. It's there right now. We're at the summer. <laughs> yeah. There's
0: those there's those movements though, and we've talked about that before. Everyone wanted to sound like Jaws when Jaws dropped and created yep. his sound. Everyone's like, that's my sound too. I'm gonna sound like Jaws. Yep. And then
1: everyone wanted to sound big room.
2: So yep. you everybody
1: see all these chami, out. same thing. Chami, yeah. Everybody yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was he was personally, I think he was responsible for the whole future house or whatever they want to yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah. Sound a hundred
3: percent. A hundred percent. But
1: Oliver this came after him, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And then all of that sound, so like you were saying. They were, yeah. they were sound like Jaws or in this, yeah, Charlie, yeah, and then, and then it was K and they chewed up
0: that sound as much as possible. And now it's they're still here with the, the K but yeah, now Apple beats, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone beat. wanted to sound like Selection, they wanted yeah. to set, they wanted yeah. to have that sound where it's like we're all doing the future house or whatever, you know, or future mm-hmm. beats or whatever. Few Future and,
4: beats. me yeah.
0: yeah. And, and it's these movements that everyone just pivots to it. And we've talked about it before. No one is building a lineup and saying, I need five guys that sound like jaws. Right. They're like, I'll just hire jaws. You know, that's it. And call it a day. Yeah. But after it gets so diluted and everyone jumps on that, then people are like, I got to find a new sound. Mm-hmm. I got to find a new sound.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and, and- I believe yeah. Afro came at the the right time, like as a new sound. Yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely. I don't want to like, you know, downplay it because I do think it's
1: not at all. It's great music. It's, it's great music,
3: but it's also just like a lot of other genres. Once you figure out the fundamentals of it, it's kind of easy to replicate. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and that's
4: what we're seeing right now.
3: Everybody's just replicating the sounds, yeah. the loop, yeah. and you know, once it's 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 incredible when the person who invented it does it. Yeah. And then when everybody else just does it, it's just like oh, we all figure out it's very easy, and now it's it's played, and it it, it kind of takes and away that, the luster.
1: It's so, it got to a point where you can probably you will probably only play like a mashup. I'm a piano record with yeah, some which man <laughs> it, it, boy do we? You can't even yeah. play like a real new fresh. I'm a piano record no more because it's at that point,
3: <laughs> and it's not even at, like. It's strictly I'm a piano. This happened. We, we just named a bunch of things. Right. right. It happens all the time. Right. I'm just talking recent.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah and and, I, and to be honest, I feel sorry for Trap because I kind of I really fuck with Trap. Like not that I didn't want to become a Trap DJ, but I really like that sound, you know, it was really cool, energetic. It mm-hmm. was it had that hip hop attitude. And then, you know, we I don't know, overplayed it or whatever we did. But you know, it's, not there anymore. Yeah, it's just not there anymore.
0: Right. right. Chucky, why did hard st- 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 I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask, why did hardstyle never blow up in the States?
4: What do you
1: think it mm. is? Good question. Why did hardstyle? Because uh, I think, and they tried it, in Holland, when you look at Q dance, Q dance, it's almost like a religion, you know? And people grew up with that shit, like really grew up, they got the t-shirts, they got the tats, everything. And I think um, in America, they first of all they could not produce this they could not do the same production mm. because in holland they go all out first of all you know, they pro- produce the whole stage in holland and it's there and it looks absolutely amazing mm. and you guys i think you guys already had let's say i don't want to say your own version of hardstyle but you guys had djs and a sound that would kind of already cover that sonically that that music you know what i'm mm. saying mm. and um I think, to be honest, because Insomniac would not allow Q Dance to really do their thing, they could not really bring their stars and their DJs mm-hmm. and bring the, the whole the full experience. I mm-hmm. think it got to a point where Insomniac, like, Ins- Insomniac was like, "You know what? We got this. We got this. We're Because gotcha. yeah. uh, it blew up in, for example, Australia, right? Or in even in Europe, like places like austria um but not in the states because simply they did not get their break um mm. from important players like insomniac They a- those
0: guys those guys are like calvin harris you know like those names hold that same weight in yeah. europe
1: and in these other countries oh, 100%. like it- we had headhunters head and yeah, headhunters yeah. per- me personally got him that that cascade remix he did you know. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, because Willem Headhunter is a really good friend of mine, and you know, um, we had it. he was I got him on the same management as you know, as my management, and like yo, we gotta see how we break him in America. So you know, and we I was cool with Cascade because back then I was doing a tour, Cascade was on a tour, so I'm like yo, this guy because Headhunters like sound design, he's a beast. Mm. So, mm let's say the skrillex of heart like he's this guy's insane Mm. so when we got him the 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 cascade vocals he did his thing and it definitely worked and it was something he could tour it in america you know but it was hard to follow up because there was politics involved and i feel like isonia was like you know what we we got this we'll there were like a lot of djs that would play i think i don't know what you guys called. it i think it was hard dance or whatever yeah. But it had that beat. Yeah, hard, hard dance was, and
4: freestyle, right?
1: No. Yeah, so they basically got it covered. They had it yeah. covered. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like somebody. It's like imagine if somebody in 2008 would say like, "Hey, you know, don't worry, we got our own version of of Dirty Dutch. We're just doing our thing in America." It's crazy.
3: Uh, Wild, like to just like crazy. Uh, I feel like that
1: happened with hard style. They, yeah. they said we got hardstyle at home. <laughs> <Heart style> at- <laughs> You're okay. like, no, not going to go to McDonald's. We got heartsella home. <laughs> got at home. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking wild. I yeah, mean, you guys, is-
0: you do yeah. festivals to the nth degree. Uh, and and tomorrow, was it Tomorrow World
1: or Tomorrowland? Whichever one's out there. Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland. Ooh, and Tomorrowland. the funny part is, the funny part is um, Tomorrowland, they, so when they started in Belgium, it was called Mysteryland because Mysteryland is the original party. Mm-hmm. We still have, um, matter of fact, Land was this past weekend. And it's only because uh, the na- somebody already had the name Mysteryland in Belgium, you know. So they are, so they had to find another name. So they called it Tomorrowland. Mm. Damn. And that's yeah. And
0: sensation is the big one for you guys as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And sensation. So and the funny part is, not a lot of people notice, but so in identity, Q Dance, the heart cell division they were actually the producers of all the shows because they know they 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 had the crazy productions and stuff so they knew their way around so they started to produce all the events for IET. Mm. and so they were also involved in producing tomorrowland mm. you see what i'm saying
0: yeah so yeah. it's we were playing catch up essentially with everything that's going on in the states based upon what you guys were doing in dance music.
1: Well, I think, I think you know, that's and there's nothing, because I don't want to sound like weird or anything, but I, li- I like it so, so in the States, people are like, oh, I like that sound. I'm gonna make it my own and, you know, do my own thing. And I think it's cool because that's why I, like guys like Dioro, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm a big Dioro fan because he took the Dutch sound and made it his own, but with his background, you know, obviously he's a Latino, you know, so he had that swing, he had the vibe and he made his own thing and he made hits with it as well. So, so, so you know, there's a different outcome with this one. Um, It definitely helped um, blowing up that Dirty Dutch sound with guys like Dior doing the records, even Diplo or, you know, like, hey, I like that kind of synth, you know, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it didn't happen with, um our sound,
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> for some reason that never caught on but all this big room house sound is coming back full circle I, i've noticed like there's these golden age parties of 2010's house big room house that you can play you know uh anything you know the the we'll song like you know titanium and
1: all of that it's like the biggest song all over again exactly exactly and that's i think it's cool because music always does that it might mm-hmm. have a slight different beat but i think it's cool so we are just running the 2010 catalog again i guess yeah 2010 yeah. 2013. yeah which is cool you know because uh, you know because edm became like a dirty word right but now and then you know it's it's a matter of time hipsters gonna embrace it and all of a sudden it's the coolest thing in the world again Hmm. Same thing is happening with vinyl, you know, I was in L.A. um last month and I, I called my boy like, yo, I want to go record shopping, but I want to buy, you know, bring me to the stores where they sell like $1 records. He's like, bro, that's not going to happen. I'm that's like, what? Like, yo, everybody is on vinyl. And yeah. he's like, yo, you don't even understand how many new record stores we got in L.A. I'm like, oh, word? So I go to one of these record stores and I'm like, oh shit, it's it's literally fifteen dollars for a twelve inch. I'm like, oh shit, what's yeah. going on? I bought a, yeah. I have yeah. a, I have a sealed copy of the, um, the wet ass pussy from uh, Cardi B and uh, what's her name, Be- Megan Thee Stallion. Megan, yeah, yeah. I bought it for fifteen bucks. I'm like, shit, bro.
3: Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, the day yeah. the dollar bin is over.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 the dollar bin is over. But but for me, so now it's it became a sport because I I want. What I'm looking for, anything between 2006 and 2010, whatever, they still pressed on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want, I hope, I don't even think, yeah, I th- no, it, I think it, there is a Tiger, wreck City, 12-inch, stuff like yes.
0: that. Yes, eh?
1: hell yeah. That's the sport for me. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I have, for example, um, Too Short, Blow the Whistle, 12-inch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking in that era for- For, for the like, hits. Yeah. Yeah, 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 because back then, I I don't want to say, yeah I stopped buying records. I was still collecting a little bit, but I wasn't buying heavy anymore, you know. So I have I have a yeah I have a little gap in my collection, but now obviously discogs, so I got everything back again. Uh, but for me, that's the sport, man. <laughs> Are you you're a discogs person or you're a find it in the wild person? Oh no no, I'm disc- listen, I hate going to I hate going to these record fairs. Okay. <laughs> Big ass balls. A billion records, I can't find shit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then what, I, what? What's funny is that you, they, this you only see records, just albums. Yeah. I need twelve pages. You know, yeah, I need twelve inches. Yeah. I need it from that era, specific era. So yeah. I'd rather. Matter of fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the cheapest guy in the world when it comes to finding records. Discogs, I have my, I have my ways, bro. I go so, <laughs> so there's this one this is a little trick this is a little trick is a little trick there's this one account called vinyl.eu so I'll go on that account I want to go in their catalog obviously they got a billion records too in their in their catalog and I'll go look for so I type in rap or hip-hop and I'll sort it on cheapest first <laughs> so I'll buy I will buy whatever for like 20 cent, bro. <laughs> like what do you
3: got for less than a buck?
1: Yeah. Bro, I got Teddy Riley records for 20 cent and shit. <laughs> like Stevie Wonder Master Blaster for for 80 cent. Shit like Damn. that. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that's cool. That's the way that's to do cool. it, lucky. <laughs> yeah, but I, also it got you know, it gave me the opportunity to to buy doubles again, you know, like some records I gave away are, are simply scratch or like just worn out i'm like yo let me just buy it from this car Mm. so you know it's it's really cool and it's fun it's fun because it's it kind of i want to say at a certain point i was i was so consumed by whatever i was doing and the whole industry i wasn't i think i wasn't even DJing for fun anymore it was just straight up about money and you know presence in the market and i felt like nah man this is not why i started DJing. you know um, so, so doing all this stuff with vinyl, you know, it. I feel like, you know, I just started all over again. So interesting. And then also now we got more knowledge and, you know, we got a greater catalog to play with. Like I, so back then I would never do the, the work cappella for masters at work with the, um, uh, Samir team, for example, now I can, you yeah. know, what? because those yeah. records when, when work came out, Samir's team wasn't out. Now I can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's and, interesting. It's interesting um, to, to, to do those kind of events again. It's crazy, man.
0: You got to keep it fresh for you, you know, you got to keep it fun for you or else it's a long fucking night, man. You know, like at the end of the day, you got to find that fun in the room. Even if you're playing to the two people dancing and the other 50 are like looking around, like, I think he's, he's playing records, but I don't know what's going on, you know?
1: At a certain point i was just bored with main stage playing main stage it sounds Word. sounds sounds like oh what is fucking, this guy is crazy what are you talking about being bored in the main stage? but it was really like that what happened is that back in the days and I'm, when i talk about back in the days i'm like when i first got into big festivals like mystery land tomorrowland um there would be like maybe four or five djs throughout the whole day playing so it means everybody would play like a three-hour set right? Mm. And at a certain point, obviously they had to bring in numbers, so a lot of people, so they would have like 20 guys on the main stage throughout the whole day, meaning everybody would get like 45 minutes. I played my shortest set on EDC was a 45 minute set. What happens if you get 45 minutes on the main stage? you're gonna you wanna squeeze as much as possible in that 40. So what happens is that even my way of producing records, like I would cut out anything after drop. You would like normally, you know, build like a breakdown and go slowly into the break. Now I would cut out those 30 seconds straight away and make my record short. But also it would be like all mashups because you just want to squeeze in as much energy as possible in a 45 minute set. So, for example, in 2010 or yeah, 2011, whatever, I have a Nirvana mashup Mm. 2012. I have a Nirvana mashup as well with a different drop. Hmm. Right. It happens in 2013 again and 14 again, you know, and it got to that point where everybody was doing that stuff. Like, oh, you know, next year I'll just have the same record, same classic, whatever, new drop.
2: Hmm.
1: And to me it's like, okay, yeah, this is not really what no, it doesn't trigger me. I don't want to do this shit. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of I want to say I kind of stepped away from it because at, that certain, at the same time, there was like a lot of politics involved. Like, wait, my DJ has to go. Management would fight each other. Like, no, my DJ has a big recognition. So he should play that time slot. And I always told my manager, like, we don't even have to be part of this rat race, man. I just don't want to do it, you know?
2: the
1: mm. And then oh, the only way I was still having fun is because Vegas would allow me even more doing open format sets, sure. you know? I had had a residency in Vegas from 2000, I want to say 2009, yeah, 2009, 2010, up until 2018. That's a long, that's a long residency. And the only reason I was doing that, because I was also able to play for the Vegas crowd, which is like super open format. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I had my own ways of delivering my sets and they would you know they would fuck with it so i was happy doing that and that kind of kept me floating and kept interested for me playing in the states at this point i was looking at sets the other day of edc main stage and i'm like i don't feel like i want to play here you know what i'm saying so yeah. for me i wanted to go back to to the to the, to, to the reason why i started doing this shit this is why i have so much fun in doing like small club settings but also final sets, you know what I'm right. saying? Um, it's the only way I could I can have fun with it and this even discover new sounds. You know, mm-hmm. even when I produce music now, if I play your records I've made only this week, there's nothing there's nothing that would sound commercial. It's just me just messing around with sounds and that's how I even came up with you know the dirty life sound by yeah. me just being in the studio locked up don't think not thinking about anything. I was like, oh, I got to please this and I got to make this. It's just me just fiddling around with sounds. And, you know, that's why I said, like, I kind of lost that passion. And then now I'm like, fuck everything. I'll just do whatever I want to do. And I'm at that point right now. <laughs> mm. We nice.
0: mentioned before that the
1: art of the opening DJ is lost, that the art of oh. building
0: the room is lost.
2: Okay, yeah
1: because yeah. everybody want to become a superstar overnight, simple as right. it is. Right. And, and you know, the, the people. <laughs> or even,
4: consider- even the filler, sorry, Colin, even the filler DJ. So you got, you got the DJ that's filling in between the, the other DJs that's on the bill. Yeah. Wait, there's an yeah, yeah, art yeah. to that because you're setting up that next DJ. The middle, too. the
0: middle man too, you know, yeah. direct support for the headliner. Absolutely. I mean, the guy after the opener, the guy, cause the opener is playing for the barbacks and the VIP staff and the managers. So he's got to start the room at the right way. And then there's usually somebody after him because we're doing like four people on a lineup now, Right. you know. Um, Chucky, do you miss those nights of of opening, those early, early nights of DJing where you set the tone for the whole
1: night? Yes. And um, at a certain point, I only started taking gigs in, for example, L.A. And I said, listen, I only want to do it if I do an open to close set because otherwise it makes no sense, you know. I want to build the night and i also want to feel like i want to bring different sounds so i want to do so yes definitely miss those because there's nothing more boring than just come to a club the party's already popping and you you play the the expected 20 records you're supposed to be playing and that's that that's it you know there's no room for creativity or new sounds so i definitely miss it but i also miss it at festivals you know what i'm saying Uh, because it's just five headliners just playing their set. It's, it's madness, man. And that that's what I said earlier. Like, we would have like four or five DJs doing the main stage, main stage throughout the whole day. Mm. You know, uh, I would definitely miss that. And l- like I said, you know, um, everybody want want to become that headliner, of course, because of social media. Yes. Uh, even warm up DJ. Matter of fact, the funny part is that my first show in Miami, big show at Live let the bass keys massive at that point and i i'm i have to start my set so i'm in the back chilling then this dj before me the warm-up dj or the no not even the warm-up dj though in between dj mm. i don't know what got into his head and he decided to do like a, a homage to me to chucky bro in his yeah. last 15 minutes he played all my big records <laughs> yeah man uh, and you know owner Dave Grutman, he was like even he understood like this is wrong that that dude got fired that same night <laughs>
3: like, oh, here let me impress him
1: how yeah, yeah like yeah
3: exactly
0: <laughs> he said we got, yeah. Chucky at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got Chucky at home no listen I don't mind if he's like okay you know what we got Chucky playing and it's not even about me it's about this happened to a lot of other artists as well um okay so we got chucky okay let me place let me play something that sounds dirty dutch ish Right and that lead into his set you know yeah none of that bro <laughs> he just he just went straight up for the chucky I'm going to play restaurant. chucky <laughs> wow and then i walk into the booth the guys like and he he looks up to me like yo i'm like man it, it, it works oh <laughs> shit sherlock <Holmes." laughs>
4: He's oh, all. Hey, wait! Wait till you see what I do right here. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
4: yeah. You're gonna love it. You're gonna this love one.
0: it. Take another take notes, it. buddy. Take notes. This is how
1: you play Dutch. <laughs> this is how you <laughs> play Dutch music. <laughs> nah, yeah. no, yeah. yet? No, but, but but I I believe that people don't take that 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 spot serious anymore. And it's it's the it's I think it's still the most important set. You know that warm up set. For for even the headliner to really stand out, if you do the warm up properly, the headliner will even stand out more. You know, you don't yeah. have to bore the people to death. Enough in there's so much good music to play yeah. before the head because the it's people cool. won't go anywhere anyway. They're waiting for the headliner, so you have them on the dance floor. Take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. They, everyone thinks they got to play ASAP Ferg work and then they got to play Pep Boss and then they got to play all of these songs that it's like mandatory. They're like, oh, well, you know, the headliner is just going to play the headliner songs. It's like you have such a big toolbox of tools to work with. Why yeah. wouldn't you play something they don't know? You know, exactly. like you're not going to lose your night. You're literally leaving headroom for the next guy. That's your job. That's exactly. what you showed up to do.
3: There's. There's that sweet spot of like not being playing an hour and a half of music people don't know. Yep, of course. But there's also like you could throw some shit in, mm-hmm. and yeah. you could also play some shit that people forgot about. Like, there's so yeah. much, there's so many turns you could take to, I, to play the headliners' music is fucking is insane.
1: I had so so the way David Gett and I became friends, and he actually flew me to Ibiza for my first show with with him, is because he was headlining in Holland this set and I had the set before him. And I know he didn't know none of those Dutch records. Hmm. So I had, my toolbox was amazing because I know I could play my set and you know, there's enough headroom for him to play. And then he saw me play after my set. So right before he got on, I was like, yo, I gotta talk to you in a minute. You know, after my set, I was gonna talk to you. Oh shit. Yeah, and then he and then we had another show the next day together, and he was so impressed by the set and uh, not not necessarily about the set, but the music I played because it was all new sounds to him. Yeah, David Geer, and you can ask him if it's true or not. He he, so he brings out his camera, and he films my whole set while I was playing before him. He films my whole set, and he, so then and. He only filmed it because the next day he was like, Yo, what's this record? What's this record? What's this record? <laughs> but yeah. I was still playing, you know, I was still the warm up guy, but still was able to kill it, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I didn't play any getter records record or not even a Bob Sinclair record. This day from the same country. So, you yeah, know, right. chances are he might play a Bob Sinclair record. Yeah, I wasn't touching none of that. I was doing my thing. And I think at that point, I think the most important, the, the key word here is to. Deliver certain energy, and uh, like you were saying, there's like a sweet spot. So, if you, I think you could still do it with all new records, but still, you know, touch that energy level you need to touch right before the headliner. Of course, you don't want to wear them out, but, but stay you know, true to yourself,
4: stay authentic. Yeah. You there's know, there's many
1: ways, but people I don't think people appreciate that role no more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, which, yeah, too bad. I it's yeah.
3: interesting because it's like it seems so counterintuitive like you get an opening spot and instead of thinking all right cool i need to build the club up and then yeah. get everybody ready so like you know maybe not bring the energy level to a 9 or a 10 but maybe get it to an 8 so that way when they get there you know they can blow knock the fucking doors off but people yeah. think oh it's audition time mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: oh all day
3: okay. he mm-hmm. might take
1: the headliner might take me on tour with him he might right. take
3: tour right. Or yeah, like thinking uh, yeah. that the, the fucking headliner DJ somehow is going to book you it like he's a booker. Yeah, yeah. But fam, like that, you're there already name's yeah, on the on the bill Do your part. Like, so play. I, I I don't like when people get into audition yeah. mode and do shit like that, because it's like you audition think you're mode. helping yourself out. But really, you're just hurting yourself and everybody else that's on the bill
1: yeah man that's crazy man yeah
3: but that, that i feel like that's just a young that's a young man yeah, yeah
1: but also you know and i gotta blame i just gotta blame social media for it man that's like there's like a mandatory set of pictures that you have to post after the weekend that's, right. the, yeah. one. that's the one There's the one standing at the booth there's a little interaction with the camera
3: behind and, you looking at the crowd
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and there's also the, you know, the, the 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 mandatory things you gotta say through the mic, like, oh my God, Houston, I love you so much. No, you don't, motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know y'all. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, you don't know these people. Houston, obviously. who the fuck are you guys? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Thanks for yeah. coming out to see oh, but me. But so so that obviously, you know, people like, oh, I want to become that DJ. I want to post cool pictures too. I want to. I want. Eventually, so, so that's the first step of like, you know, I want to post that kind of, those kind of pictures. And then obviously, the next level is you want to post the private jets, you want to post a picture, and they like, oh, I'm so tired of touring stuff like <laughs> that. <laughs> and, and then the next one is like, you, your first time in Mexico, went to Mexico once all of a sudden, your whole post is in Spanish. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's paint so by numbers, wanna, man. Yeah, so people want to do that, that obviously the art gets lost. right Right. and i think i think for me you know i i I was like no i don't want to become that dude because i got tired of posting those kind of pictures real quick as well Mm -hmm. and uh, like even now we live in an area like most of the DJs to stay relevant how how come all of a sudden everybody's a fucking comedian right doing skits on like tiktok bro no (laughs) no please you're not gonna catch chucky doing stand-up on tiktok no,
0: are <laughs> <laughs> doing are doing a synchronized dance on TikTok to let the
4: bass kick, <laughs> or lip sync into TikTok to hit. Oh the
1: so, yeah, that art gets lost, and I feel that happened to the warm up sets. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, like Man. and and now it's it's even crazier. People, I don't know what happened, but people leave the club after the headliner. Let's say the night is even if the party is over, like the club is open to five headliners done at three people just leave bro
3: mm. Bounce. Mm-hmm.
1: like you guys don't want to dance anymore that's it club
3: culture is different like in that regard i and i think i think that's it's because now there's been a generation the people who came out you know to yeah. see the D- dirty dutch stuff back when it first started and like the 2012 2013 we they've had kids Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah
3: and now their kids are coming to the club and they're taking a festival approach to nightclubbing right they saw who they wanted to see and they're off to the next stage right or whatever you know like and it's like no this is an experience Mm -hmm. like this is honestly you don't even need it doesn't matter who the fuck's up there you should just be jamming but that's
1: but it's definitely different it's definitely different era listen when when we all first started you know doing our twitter thing what is it? what year is this? Twenty twelve, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty twelve, right? So you gotta understand, like, like I grew my fan base in that era, and I want to call it an era because it's an era, very important. It era was, too. yeah, right. So I, my first three hundred fifty thousand followers, I got in within those two years. So anything between twenty twelve and twenty fourteen, I gained three hundred fifty thousand followers.
2: Mm.
1: I had a lot of interaction. Engagement was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, right. bro, those people they don't even have a Twitter account no right. more. You know? Yeah. So I'm yeah. sitting right. on let's say a hundred thousand people. I get I post something and like the interaction ain't engagement yeah. is the same, man. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: you, gotta pay, you gotta pay for it now, what you had, oh, you know, yeah. like <laughs> like that
0: big reach. That's that's now that's five hundred dollars for a post, yeah. you know.
1: Which is absolutely crazy. And and like I said before, it's crazy that. Uh, he said, uh, "You know, club culture, the, the nightlife, everything changed." And I, you know, when when I had that reality check, I, <laughs> I had the show with Calvin Harris. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I had the show with Calvin Harris, and obviously, I think rehab was signed to him. So my agency goes like, "Yo, you know, um, rehab is gonna do the warm up." And, and Rehab had some big records, but he's not no Calvin Harris, but he had big records. He was doing the warm-up. So my management's like, yo, he's going to do the warm-up. Then Calvin Harris goes on. And then you you close the night. I'm like, oh, shit, that's an important slot, you know. Mm-hmm. In Austria, big-ass venue, like 20,000 people. And it's like a, almost like, a, um, party, I think it would, the party would end like midnight or whatever, yeah. Midnight, somewhere midnight. So Rehab get, goes on like, I don't know, eight. Or nine, something like that. He plays for one hour. Room is absolutely packed. Calvin Harris goes on, and does his thing. Obviously, everybody goes wild. And but I'm telling you, like there's old people, young people. All ages just enjoying the Calvin Harris show. I'm like, oh fuck. I'm bu-. and I'm pretty confident about my skills and my abilities. You know, I'm like, oh I'll, I'm gonna I'm, f- I'm about to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> it up. What are you talking about? I don't care about <laughs> we have I got this. Yeah. Bro, 15 minutes into my set, 20,000 people just left. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. So, so they dragged it for another 50 minutes. They're like, yo, somebody from production called me, like, yo. Hey, <laughs> no we're mind. done. We're having it we're up. up. <laughs> this guy was like, literally, yo, Chucky. he was rapping. The was He's like- rapping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yo. Sir, you- <laughs> You turn down yeah. your booth monitors. You realize it's uh, off. Was,
1: and then the guy, you know, I <laughs> <the bar standing laughs> me, like, Oh and I man, I'm like, how long have I been playing to myself? Take oh, off I your in There's
3: nothing. Yeah. I swear
1: I was, I was 14, hard 14 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. He, how can 20,000 people leave in like 14 minutes, bro? <laughs> yes, man, I know, like, oh, so they really just come for the headline and that's it. You know what I'm saying?
3: I just Crazy. played a, uh, I just played a like a, a massive out here. And I don't want to say who was on the bill, but the same I, thing happened where. The headliner was. They booked it weird because the, the warm up before the headliner had a bigger crowd. Oh, OK. And everybody left for the headliner.
1: And that's why you don't really look at what's what's really the hype and shit. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. It's, it's not it's not real life because people get their video and then they'll roll out. Yeah, Like but the, I, I took my clip.
1: The thing is, um, so so what? And, and, and you know, I noticed that a lot when I was also doing like a lot of a lot of shows throughout America um, and I was always a promoter myself. So I knew it's important to have the people as long as possible in in that space. You know, that's when I started to do like longer sets and the DJ after me would never play because I would just, you know, go on. I would play from one to three, but the club is up till five. I'll play till 4.30, at least 4.45. If I, if I get drunk, it's going to be a 6.00 AM thing, you know, <laughs> but I knew if I would play longer, people would stay in. And eventually the club owner would appreciate the numbers, you know, because yeah. obviously still in the club drinking. And it also gave me the opportunity to do longer sets, you know, because I know it happened a lot of times. I would just stop my set, my ninety-minute set or whatever. I'd leave, and then just all of a sudden, it's just, over. Just, right, right. Just go to the pizza spot, whatever.
3: As, as a busser at Excess, I appreciate those nights, my man.
1: As yeah, as man, but you know what I'm talking about. Pay more money
3: because you were doing it. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, yeah, but that's exactly what it is, you know. And I, I feel, I feel like that whole that whole synergy got lost because it's it's a game you all play together. It's like you can you can you can also like ecosystem that. yeah yeah exactly that whole ecosystem should work and you like i know as a promoter i cannot play like two hours like just high energy you gotta build in like little bricks like even people want to have a smoke break for example or right. people have the opportunity to get another drink right you know what i'm saying so i even when i was doing that my headline sets i would like you know go up and down and on purpose um, and I feel like right now headliner comes and he just says he does a 60 minute set and he's done you know what my
3: pet peeve is that when they say goodbye
1: oh oh that's the worst yeah man that's the worst that and I don't know if you guys ever experienced this but I had a lot of times that the guy would end his set and the promoter or the stage manager would be like, yo, the next DJ is late. Can you play for 15 more minutes? And then the guy goes, I don't have enough music. Cause he literally has a fucking, that. and that's it on his USB, bro. I have my whole crazy. catalog on my shit. You know what I'm saying? I play with an SSD. I make sure I have enough music. And there's yeah. a lot of guys that just do their set and that's it.
3: That's crazy to me. That. That's nuts to me. And maybe it's just because we're working, guys. Like we're out here playing gigs all the it's time. It's not an
0: option. For, it's for, not for an a option. Working DJ, that's never an option because of the twists and turns. You don't know what's going to happen.
3: So yeah. and it's just because some big name DJs aren't never had to do that. They be, They're producers that became DJs.
2: Exactly. And exactly. so they just
3: have their sets and they've never had to build a library. They never had to play four hour sets, five hour sets.
1: They don't download all the promos every week. So they're not,
3: yeah, they're not, they're not getting all the promos every week and all that stuff, but they're not having to do that.
1: But people back in the days would come for, damn, I sound old. But people (laughs) back in the days, no, but people back in the days would come, you know, for a DJ set and play good music. And now you would, you come to see a DJ because you know his records. Yeah. All you want to hear or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I think, I believe at a certain point, the crowd would find it weird if, let's say, Swedish House Mafia would play a Diplo record. Because, huh, why would you play somebody else, someone, someone else's oh, record? Oh,
3: yeah. It, I you hear know? you hear it all the time. You hear, and, oh. uh, and dance music fans are the snobbiest.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: They know every subgenre. They know everybody's like, oh, he played this because they'll they'll start explaining DJs before the DJ ever explains themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's playing this because, or, or oh, he he went a different direction. I don't know why he would play somebody else's music. Yeah, he
0: he phoned it in tonight. He he took it easy. He didn't, you know. And it's yeah. like, nah, oh, I just want to play everything.
3: You he know, just wanted like, to do a different set, maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Chucky, how often did you see
1: the pre-recorded set? Quite a bunch of times, but I, but to be honest, because I think it was a whole big thing, uh, you know, on social media. Um, yeah. but to be honest, Deadmau said, it, yeah. Yeah, but I kind of understand it when you have to sync a big, like a hundred thousand dollar firework. I so I understand it, I understand it, and but I've seen the pre recorded thing on different levels. I've seen Mm -hmm. the way Armin Van Buren does it, like he has this whole community, this whole system. He communicates with the front of house, and he doesn't necessarily have to play that one record, uh, that specific record, he doesn't have to have like a specific set list. Because they could just do it on the fly. Oh, he's gonna play this record. Okay, we got this. And then they already got the you know everything synced to the to to, to the BPM. So they automatically the, the 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 fireworks will sync to whatever he's doing. Um. So I've seen it on different levels, uh, but I get it. But yeah, man, it's I, I'm I'm you know I just I I there needs to be space for room for in you know uh, how do you say it to be spontaneous and stuff.
3: Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you. Um. How big, like, I feel like it's kind of a redundant question as DJs. We know that there are DJs on the main stage that do the thing. We know that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not a thing. But when Dead Mouse put that statement out, he's like, yeah, there's like videos that are synced up and pyro. And I always thought like, I don't know, you play in a club and you have a really good light guy that like knows the songs that you're playing. They anticipate and they're doing shit on beat. This is what I anticipated, what I thought. It was the same for the show
1: because there's levels to this shit, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not it's not about the guy just pressing the button and the the, the link sinks to the beat. It's 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 full on LED screens, big ass that
3: song (laughs) that's then you transition and it changes.
1: One thing I do like is when you go to live in Miami, the the light the the VJ, the guy has all the hip-hop, all the latest hip hop, he has all the videos and and he kind of knows the dj mm. so whatever he's going to play he just looks at the cd pulls up the song starts singing literally starts singing oh. the track and plays the video that's so that's dope you know what i'm saying it's but dope. obviously with with dance music and the whole production it's 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 different and there's a lot of responsibility so it's not about the the, the light jockey knows the groove or he can see the build up and he can see the drop coming it's gotten so much bigger you know. And there's so many more people involved into that whole thing that it, sync is the only option almost you know what i'm saying and this oh, is yeah. what i said the other day I, this is why i feel like i don't even belong on the main stage no more because it's so it's just so, it's it gotten nuts. so sterile
0: yeah. yeah yeah man it's just so it's pre- almost more work it's more work to fake the funk right to be <laughs> up a lot of hands in the pot put on their show yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah' to, to oh. you're, an, you're an actor at that point you're you're a competent DJ and we all know it but you have to act
1: based upon yeah. the requirements for what's going on yeah would and you- I did I, I've done a lot of tours with like a lot of artists and you know a lot of producer artists and they would just play their set and you know uh, I would just be like whoa, that's crazy man are you not getting bored by this shit? like playing and i would be like every night because we're like on this on this one month tour and i'm trying to figure out like oh for the next set i want to have this you still want to have that energy but you want to find another record for that Right, you're always tweaking it you're always tweaking tweaking
3: the set um yeah have you seen and i've always i've always been under the understanding that this is just too far but i want to know have you actually seen, like, let's say, a ninety-minute set on one track? Just hit play, ninety minutes it goes. Have you ever seen anything
1: that bad? Uh, not in person, but I've seen videos. Like, there's a lot of people doing it.
3: Okay, uh, so that is a thing. I've always thought, like, there's no way it's that bad. Maybe just a preset set, like that, I mean, songs in the same it. order. I mean, people do people that, people that all
1: do the it. time. I, 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 I've seen them. it on that level, but people, I know people do it. I know people. Do okay. It definitely do it uh, but i haven't seen it in person like no um, uh, no i, I think they, they the first time they was they started talking about it when they said oh steve angelo he has a pre-recorded set but you know i've seen it play many times like or steve, even people the real ass dj <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but even like they were saying the same shit about david gett and i've seen him kill it you know which is yeah. fly selecting whatever yeah but yeah. i haven't seen it like that no man
3: yeah because to me i'm like that seems too far but people made yeah, it, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the thing. Now, a predetermined set, sure, fine. Like, that's, who yeah. cares?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. But the, the way the way I do it, I would say right before my set, I decide my first three or four records. And then I, I go by energy, OK, like in 50 minutes in, I want to have this kind of vibe, you know? So yeah, little thing. Yeah. So most of the times, because now, I'm and for me, it was hard to get used to the record box preparing us, mm. putting records in one crate and that's all I'm going to stick to and play this. It was yeah. really hard for me. Even, even up to now, I still have problems with that. I just cannot decide. So my crates would always be like a good hundred records.
3: You just scroll could, through them.
1: I scroll through or I have uh, a folder with four different playlists with, and those playlists would like be different genres. Mm-hmm. So I would, have, let's say uh i don't know a techno it would have like 20 records in the techno great you know and uh, if i would have a tech house well it would have 20 or 30 records so i would say i have a good 100 records in a folder mm-hmm. okay so that's the way i do it yeah man
3: so it's kind of different every time yeah.
1: it's it's always
3: different yeah mm-hmm.
1: but so, of course sometimes you, you you have this one specific mix you're like oh fuck, that's cool oh, yeah oh. yeah, yeah your
4: routines Always
1: yeah, yeah, of course, man. You mm-hmm. and you build you build you kind of build a a candle you build of, from that. That's that's then eventually that's your sound,
2: you know. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's interesting. That's,
2: man. Yeah.
1: And then, of course, there are stories of I know a lot of purest DJs from back in the days. They were like, Yo, I I I, I don't know his name, but this one guy is like, Yo, I never pay, play any record twice. Mm-hmm.
2: That's good. Cool. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a little bit too, you know. That's, that's too that. much. <laughs> that's too much. Well, the record is nice. You play it twice on a different party. Okay. Yes.
4: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: um,
0: there's a couple questions I, I want to ask you before we ride out. Um, a couple things we do every time we do the show. We do do a lightning round where I ask you a this or a that, and you got to pick between the two artists. Actually,
4: and I'll do the lightning round for my pick.
0: Okay. Because I have okay. a good pick
4: because we've talked about these artists. In my- so,
0: so, Chucky, these are all previous episodes, but you're going to pick one artist to stay and the other is gone forever. You can't play any of their music. You can't listen to them. No, nothing. So we're going to do five rounds of this. <laughs> Travis, what's your pick?
4: Um, It is Frankie Knuckles versus uh, Sweetest House Mafia. That's,
1: that's an easy one, man. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Love my boys, but they got to go. Yeah.
3: Frankie Knuckles stays.
1: Frankie stays. Yep.
0: Clips or Mob Deep?
1: Clips got to go. Okay. Dilla or Pete Rock? Fuck. Oh, because I'm I'm (laughs) big on Pete Rock. I'm big on Pete Rock, man. But I got to let him go, man. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sade or Aliyah? That that's not fair, bro.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I is not Aliyah, So Alia no Sade gotta go. She gotta go. Sorry. Okay. Okay, fair. Beatles or Beach Boys.
0: Beatles gotta go. Beatles? No, no, no,
1: sorry. Beach
0: Boys. Okay. <laughs> Missy Elliott or Buster Rhymes?
1: <laughs> no, no, that ain't right, man. That is, <laughs> no, that's not even. No, man, you can't do that shit, man. <sighs> Only because bus Rhymes is my boy. Missy gotta go, but you know, it's not. That shit ain't right, man. Right. <laughs> We know. No, man. Yo, that's fucked. Whoever, yo, whoever came up with that one, you're toxic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's toxic energy. Uh, you're going to hate these next two. Prince or Michael Jackson? Oh, fuck.
1: Prince got to go. Sorry. Happy okay. birthday, Mike. Hey, Mike. Ha- Happy birthday, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, he, he passed away on my birthday, man. That was crazy. Oh.
4: Uh, damn. Bro, so I, you, I, I said, you shared birthday, the same birthday with birthday. DJ Ninja. Shout but, out DJ Ninja.
1: So I had my birthday and we were at my house pregaming, whatever, and then we would hit town, right? And then right before we hit town, I got I saw a turn on TV. I'm like, yo, Mike Jackson passed away. Bro, I had no birthday party that night. I'm like, mm. oh, bro, birthday's <laughs> canceled. Fucked <laughs> up my whole day. Mm. Fucked up my whole day, yeah, man. Man. Biggie or Tupac? I'm a Biggie guy, so sorry, Tupac.
0: Biggie. Okay. And last but not least, Outcast or Hollow Notes. <laughs> Shit.
1: It's still an album, but
2: outcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hell yeah.
1: Hell yeah. That's crazy. No, but if you think of it, that's 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 a crazy one, bro. Yeah, Shit. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. man. It's I a mean, it?
3: amount of albums, a duo.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh no, that's crazy, man.
1: The duo
4: split. That's
0: that's still- yeah. I- That's icons, man. Um, We have a podcast playlist that we do. Uh, We add one song every week. It can be any song. What song does Chucky want to share with the world? One song from you to the world.
1: Soho Hot Music. Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. (laughs) My My second pick would be the Prodigy Funky Shit.
0: Oh yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Dude.
1: But no, Soho Hot Music, man. Try yeah. put both of those on there. Put I both. Put them
3: both uh, that's, that's, that's Soho fine. might be Al Joey on um Spotify. Wait a minute, what was the other
1: one? Prodigy, Prodigy funky shit. Yep. Yo, but write down this record I was talking about at the beginning. Um, it's called Skeeda Ranks. So S K And then ranks is R-A-N-X the record is called i like or i like it i believe i like i think
3: i like yeah and it it's, back in the woods mix
1: who's armand yeah wow. wow you play that record you're gonna be is this i asked him about the specific record i'm like bro yeah, yeah. Damn, it's nervous and then this and then he had this other project called armand and the banana spliffs i asked him about those as well I'm like, bro, how <laughs> 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 early
3: Armin stuff is sick. Like even like um, the one he had with the method man sample. And uh,
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The funk oh, phenomenon,
3: not funk phenomenon, oh, no, but um.
1: oh, no, no. Um, uh, it
3: sounded like it was like, uh. oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Now I got to find it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. while you're doing that, Nick. I want to ask Chucky, uh, we have our multiverse. Who is playing Chucky if we make a movie about you? It can be any actor, dead or alive, anyone, really.
1: Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's only, no, it's only because people like, you know how many how many times people came up to me like, yo, you look like Cuba Gooding Jr. You know? <laughs> one, time, and, one time me and him got drunk together in, I think it was New York. And I, a guy even more drunk than us came up to us like, yo, you guys are brothers. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Paul, haven't you gotten drunk
0: with him? He's a I've gotten. Yeah, he's a wild dude. Yeah, he is. a He wild.
3: To, used to come all the time to uh, like, he's
0: like on another level, man. He doesn't stop. <laughs> he just goes and goes. Yeah, he, knows, to, he knows. it. He knows. He knows it. Yeah.
4: And
1: yeah. I, I think yeah. that's pretty well documented, too. Right now. now, oh, you know, it's funny and they hate me. When I play in New York and it's 4.30 and Buster Rimes shows up because <laughs> me and him, 4.30, it's, it's trouble, bro. We, <laughs> we, get in, we get in like endless conversations and Buster to leave at 5.30. we still up in the club trying to tear shit up and talking about whatever. <laughs> um, Dude, that's fucking I, I, dope. I had, that, I had that with Buster Rimes, man. That's crazy. Man.
0: I told cuba when i met him i said my favorite role was you in the barber chair in coming to america yes i said i said that was your best role yes that yes was your fucking best, man. <laughs> uh chucky before we ride out uh let people know anything you want to promote anything you got on the horizon right now this is your time to blast that promo
1: yeah man so i've been working on a lot of music it's gonna be super exciting new chucky stuff uh very inspired by whatever's going on right now in the techno and the tech house realm i don't want to call it techno i don't want to call it tech house but it's you know it brought a lot of fresh inspiration but also it's because it allowed me to take me back to to take it back to the roots so i'm incorporating the early dirty stuff with you know 2023 music so 2024 is going to be super exciting i'm gearing up for 2024 because i got so much stuff coming out um, and half of the stuff I've been I've been also producing for a lot of people. Um, nice. A lot of exciting stuff. But mostly um, a lot of new Chucky records. it's just going to be so different. Mm. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm here for the Chucky
0: Vinyl World Tour. Can we get you and your records to the States, man? That's what we need. I'm mm. waiting
1: for the first promoter to book me for that shit, you know? Oh. It's, Fuck yeah. I'm ready for that shit, definitely. Okay. Yeah, man. That's what I'm here for. Be <laughs> on the lookout for that. Actually, that would be that would be such a milestone for 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 like me getting like I'm already getting some requests in Holland to do like a all vinyl set, and they would pay my regular fee. You mm. know, that's already super dope. But and just to go overseas with a vinyl set, are you kidding me? Fuck yeah, I'm ready. Fuck
0: yeah. Well, I want to make sure we give you your flowers before you roll out because you're a fucking icon. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us, man. Yeah, it was man. an absolute it was a blast we had a yeah. fucking great time with you
2: thank
1: you man thank you thank you, thank you it's an absolute
3: uh, pleasure to have you on man yeah
1: yeah, yeah man thank you so much, guys thank you so much i really like to chop it up but uh, obviously you know you can see like i really like to talk about the culture absolutely
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah. why we're here too
0: thank well, you for
1: having
2: a- me
0: guys You have an open seat anytime you want to come back, man. Thank you very much, Chucky. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Chucky, make some noise. All right, we'll take care and we will see y'all next week. Until then, peace.